It is a good morning to you, and uh, we began last Sunday morning in a series that we are titling How to Have the Good Life Now, and it is a study from the book of Proverbs. Last week we saw that the setting of the Proverbs is Solomon setting down his son and describing to him the ways of life, how he ought to live and the things that he needs to do in his life that would be positive and beneficial for him to have a good life versus the things that you should not do. And uh, you may have had a similar experience as I related to you last week that uh, I remember from time to time my father trying to do that with me and saying, you know, son, you, you should do this and you shouldn't be doing that. And as a typical bratty son, I let it go through in one ear and out the other and only can appreciate it now 15 years later from when he tried to do that. And I can't help but relate to what Solomon is doing in this text because it seems so similar that if it was in 21st century America, it seems that Solomon would have pulled his son aside and said, son, sit down on the couch, I have some things to tell you and, and let me describe to you some things about life. And we saw in verse 7 of Proverbs chapter 1 that he boiled it down by first describing, you know, here are the benefits of following biblical godly wisdom. And it all begins with the fear of the Lord. If you want to live a good life and you want to be pleased in the sight of God, if you want things to go generally decently for you, he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all that. Wisdom and knowledge and discernment all start. Right there. And now we're going to look from verse 8 through chapter 2 and notice how Solomon expands upon this by saying, Son, there's two paths for you to choose from in life. And that's true for everyone here in this audience. There are only two paths to choose from. And so we'll notice the description that he gives in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8. If you turn your Bibles there, Proverbs 1 verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. I stop there just for a minute to realize that Solomon backs up and says, you know, this is going to make you look nice. You're, you're, you as a person, your character, your reputation, your personality, your integrity, you will become a fine individual if you will heed the teachings of what I'm about to tell you. And the instructions of your mother as well. And so again, you've got to see the parent sitting down with the son. Alright, my son, listen to what I'm telling you. I'm saying this for your good. This is going to make you a wise individual. This will make you a shining example around those that are around us here in verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let us lie in wait for someone's blood. Let us ambush a harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths for their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. 
he begins by describing the path of sinners. And what an interesting beginning because he simply describes what is the common nature of humanity, which is we want people's approval. We want their acceptance. We want people to, generally speaking, like us. As much as I can get older and older and say, now I don't care what people think, we're deep within us to a certain extent. We enjoy that people take pleasure and delight in who we are. And that's what he really draws upon here. And I don't know if if Solomon's son is a teenager, but I, I tell you, it sounds like he's talking to a teenager when I read this because notice how the argument goes. Come on in and follow what we're doing. Throw in your lot with us. This is going to be fun. We're going to go off and do this particular act. And don't you want to be with one of us? Don't you want to be part of this, this, this group? Don't you want to be part of what we're accomplishing here? We're all together. Throw in your hat with us. And we're going to go commit. And notice, notice the extreme example that Solomon uses. You would think it's going to say, you know, go, go rob a liquor store or something like that. That's, you know, that's not what it is. He goes right to the, the very extreme and he says, committing bloodshed. You know, throw in your lot with us and, and we're going to go kill some innocent souls. And notice the reason why. Money. <laughs> Think of all the valuables we're going to attain. Look at all that we're going to have. We'll fill up our houses full of these valuables and all of this wealth. So throw in your lot with us and look at all the money that you're going to have. This is going to be a lot of fun. And a strong enticement that Solomon identifies to his son and says, you know what, there's going to be people who are going to try to pull you in the wrong direction. There are going to be people who are going to tell you to go down this particular road and it's going to be difficult to say no because it's going to be your friends and your peers and those who you respect and care about. They're going to be the ones telling you to go along with them. And that's to notice these, these very powerful words. And he just says, my son, verse 10, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Do not do it. Resist what they're trying to accomplish with you. Don't follow down that road. And I think it's interesting that Solomon uses such an extreme example because I believe the reason he does that is to show that everything fits into that category. If we're going to rate it up here with, you know, when your friend's talking about bloodshed, well, that's going to include everything else like stealing and anything else that they tell you, you know, that's immoral or wrong for you to do. Whatever it is, Solomon says, don't listen to them. That's the path of sinners. It's the path of foolishness. And he goes a little bit further and says, you know what it is? You're throwing your life away. And I think that's an important thing to point out. Notice what he says there in verse 19. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. And he uses the imagery of ambushing. Verse 17. How useless it is to spread the net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They are ambushing themselves. He says, you're only hurting yourself. And I just put it this way. You're only throwing your life away. By going down this path. You're only throwing your life away by making that decision. Now I think that's important to think about. Um, I'm, always, I'm always fascinated on TV. Where there'll be, there'll be a, a young man who is incarcerated for a particular crime. and then The, the media will, will go on and on and on about, you know, 
Boy, this this young man, I can't believe he's going to get, you know, 40 years in prison. And, you know, he's going to be in his 60s before he gets out, you know. And, boy, that's really terrible to, to have his whole life that, you know, just wasted away in jail. I can't believe that we're going to be such terrible people in America to throw throw this man for committing this heinous crime in prison because he's going to lose his life like that. That's what I just said. You're throwing your life away. That's the end result of walking down that path. You just threw your life away. We shouldn't just sit back and be sorry. Oh, well, isn't that really sad that that poor 18-year-old, you know, he's he's not going to get out, so he's 58. He made that decision. And you and I have to walk in wisdom. As I realize, that's the end result. And so that's what Solomon is trying to say to his son. He's saying, listen to me and open your eyes and see that you're just hurting yourself. You're ambushing yourself. Don't go down that path. Don't follow after what everybody else is trying to trying to tell you to do. And that ranges an overall wide scale. You who are in school still, high school, college, junior high, don't do what the majority is doing. Don't follow down that path. They're going to say some things to you that sound really enticing to you. It's going to sound an awful lot of fun. Don't follow along. You're throwing your life away. Now, as we get older, it's a little bit easier for me. I'm getting a little older. You know, it's a little bit easier for me. You know, you guys are a bunch of knuckleheads. I'm not going to do that. But still, we want acceptance. We want approval, even as adults. And we may want it amongst our coworkers that we want to fit in. We don't want to stand out. And they just kind of get on about doing this, that, or whatever. Well, we don't want to look awfully different with them. Or it might be our neighbors, you know, that you don't want them thinking we're kind of strange or different. We have friends, we're different. We're Christians. We're going to stand down. So we're not going to walk down that path. We've got to be careful about that road. Verse 20, Solomon is now going to turn and say, now here's the other path, the path of wisdom. Verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will you will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock When calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes, for their waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Notice how wisdom now is, becomes a person. It is an interesting change here as we begin verse 20 that you, you have a, a, a woman as wisdom. And she is calling out in the streets. And it is so interesting the pictures. You, you have this woman just crying out throughout the city. Listen to me. Wisdom is crying out. Won't you hear the wise words I have for you? Will you not hear my instruction and my teaching? And you know what happens? Her words get ignored. And that's what you see being presented in this text. 
The, this wisdom cries out. You can find wisdom. Now, if I were to take a quick poll, I'm sure all of us would say, would you, would you like wisdom? Yeah. I, I would love to have wisdom. I would love to have knowledge. It would be great in life to know, what, to have that wisdom to know, well, I should do this and not do that. And how should I live my life when this problem arises? And how to deal with this circumstance? We want that wisdom. Wisdom's crying out of the streets. Wisdom is crying out for you to listen. Unfortunately, you and I just don't want to listen. You and I want the magic wisdom pill that we, you know, just kind of pop and suddenly I'll have wisdom. And we don't want to have to consider the fact that there might be a little bit of effort involved. And that's what Solomon is describing in this text. And so wisdom cries out, how long are you going to continue to mock me? Wisdom just asking the question, how long are you going to ignore me? How long will you continue to not seek me out? And notice the description that's given here. Verse 23, if you had listened, if you'd responded to my rebuke, listen to this. I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. Wisdom is just in, in a was caring motherly sound. Is just is she's saying, if you just tried to find wisdom, if you just tried to seek it, I would have given it to you. I would have revealed it to you. You would have been able to have the discernment and have the knowledge. What do we do? Well, verse 24. But since you rejected when I called... No one gave heed when I stretched out my hand. In verse 25, you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke. Notice wisdom here. Just step me back and say, you ever hate the person who says, I told you so? This is what wisdom is doing. Wisdom is stepping back saying, you did not listen to my advice. You did not heed my rebuke. You did not do the things that I said. I told you so. This is the things you're supposed to do. There's two paths in life. I told you not to go down that road. I told you you were throwing your life away. Do the things that I'm telling you to do. So he says, you didn't listen to me. Now verse 26. Wisdom laughs. Now you're going to come trying to find me in the midst of your disaster. I love how that's presented. Because wisdom presents itself as hurricane insurance. You can't buy the hurricane insurance after the hurricane. They're not going to cover you. It doesn't work. You cannot call up State Farm at the end of Wilma and say, You know, I lost an awful lot of stuff. Can you go ahead and pay me back? And they go, <laughs> So wisdom's doing it. After the calamity strikes, you want to knock on the door to wisdom and say, I need some help. And wisdom goes, too late. You already have to have it before the disaster and the calamity strikes. You see what wisdom is saying? You have to prepare. You have to get the wisdom in your heart and in your mind before the trouble comes. If you try to get it afterward, it's of no use to you. It's of no value. You must make the preparations beforehand. Notice carefully verse 27. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, friends, he didn't say that as an if. When it happens, when calamity strikes, when disaster strikes, when distress takes place, there's no if. It's going to happen. You and I, you and I like to have our life all planned out about how it's exactly going to go. You know, I'm going to have three kids and they'll all be fine. And, you know, we'll have it all worked out. We'll have a couple of cars and we'll save away. And we just had everything all worked out and disaster strikes. 
That wasn't according to plan. <laughs> Too late to try to start running around now. You better have already been relying on God before that. And that's what Solomon is saying to his son. Disaster is going to happen, my son. Things are not going to go according to plan. You better be ready. Calamity is going to hit. And we have seen that. We recognize that in our lives. We like to think we have control of all of these situations. And wisdom is crying out to us saying, you need to instill these wise words. Come and find biblical wisdom and biblical knowledge to know the ways of God before the calamity strikes. That is the only way to be able to get through these things. And notice again verse 28. When these things happen, you will not find these things after the calamity. Verse 28, you will call, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but I will not be found. Notice what, how this is all tied together in verse 29. Back in chapter 1 and verse 7, Solomon told his son, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and discernment and wisdom. That's where it all begins. And he ties it right back here in verse 29. He just simply says, if you reject wisdom, you're not fearing the Lord. It's an interesting connection he makes here. If you are not on board with biblical wisdom, if you are not trying to increase your knowledge of what God's will is for your life and how you ought to live, you're not fearing God. He just laid it out right there. Read again verse 29. He says, since they hated knowledge, did not choose to fear the Lord. <laughs> he just puts them right there. It is the same thing. And so we have to be very careful. And that's what he points out in verse 31. He says, we'll eat the fruit of our ways. We don't like that. that, that again, the, I find society humorous all the more. It, we, we are in a society that believes we shouldn't pay the consequences for the actions we take. Somehow we should be able to get out of it when we make foolish, bad decisions. And yet, wisdom is saying that's not the way the world works. You and I have to accept that if we make foolish, bad, unfortunate, whatever kind of decision, you and I get to pay the piper for it. And that's what, what Solomon is trying to say to your son. Don't do that. I'm trying to protect you from those bad decisions. I don't want you to experience that pain. I don't want you to suffer like that. Follow biblical wisdom. Follow the things that God is laying out. Now, chapter 2, how do you obtain this wisdom? How are we going to have this? And so Solomon, again, I can just see him sitting on the couch with his son. Okay, my son, don't listen to those friends. Don't listen to those who are going to say, come after us. Follow after us. We're going to have a great old time. Don't listen to them. Listen to wisdom. Wisdom is crying in the streets. Apply your ear. Hear what she's trying to tell you. And you need to prepare to hear those words now because my son... Calamity is going to come. Disaster is going to strike. And then it's going to be too late. You're not going to find God then. You need to seek Him out beforehand. And so now, how do we do that? Chapter 2, verse 1, my son. If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you will call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you will look for it as for silver... And search for it for hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in, whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. The first thing that he points out here, notice in, in verses 1 and 2, he says, you and I have to apply ourselves to learning. And it's really how we concluded 
uh, last Sunday morning's lesson. In putting ourselves in the position to learn. Recognizing where God is, who He is, where I am, who I am, and saying, I have a lot of learning to do. I need to get down on my knees, sit down, and be at the feet of the teacher, and I'm going to learn. And that's what he just simply said here. Listen, he says, accept my words, store up these commands, turn your ear to wisdom, verse 2, apply your heart to understanding, get ready to hear these things, don't be arrogant. Don't think you know it all. Don't think you've got a handle on life. Recognize where you stand before God. Have a little bit of humility that you aren't in control of your life. You're not in control of the things that are going on. So listen up and hear the words of God. And notice where he says there needs to be a desire to learn God's word. Notice, look at there in verse 3. You call out for wisdom and excuse me, call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. He wants to find these things. There's a desire. That he starts to call out for, for wisdom. He's seeking it. Which, you know, say the word we don't want. You have to work for it. You have to want to learn wisdom. And you have to work to obtain wisdom. Is what he just told them there. Look at the words. You have to call out. Cry out. You have to be able to search. You have to be able to look. He says, it's not just going to fall on you one day. And I know that's how we want decisions to be made in our life, is we want to step back and just kind of, okay, what's the right thing for me to do? You know, does it fall on me? (laughs) It's not going to work that way. Search, look, seek, call out. You're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to determine the right course of action. You're going to have to try to find wisdom and try to be able to do this. And I would sum it up this way. I'll put up, put, put up both of them. You and I are called to work hard to get to know God. Man. It's just what God says right here. Is you and I have to work at getting to know Him. You, want, you and I want to live a good life. You want to be found pleasing to God. You want to take the, the, the smoothest course and try to avoid making horrible decisions that cause pain and suffering all throughout your life. You're going to have to get to know the ways of God. How are you going to do that? You and I are going to have to read and study an awful lot more. You and I are going to have to put a much greater priority on the Word of God if we're going to want to be able to find this wisdom. This wisdom does not come by going to Barnes and Noble and going reading all the self-help books that are down there. That's just not going to work. He's telling you how to do it. You're going to have to read the Word of God. Now I know we're Brent, we're busy. You know we just got a lot to do. Okay. Wisdom crying aloud in the streets, being ignored. This is exactly what she said. Wisdom is crying out for somebody to listen. Nobody wants to listen. How true our society is to that. Nobody wants to hear what is the wise, proper way to go. And so God is trying to call us and say, listen to me. I put up here very tongue-in-cheek, so Sunday squatters not suffice. They're not going to get biblical wisdom by sitting here an hour a week. It's not going to happen that way either. I cannot just kind of instill it and zap it into your head. You know, that's not going to work either. Glad you're here, but it's going to take more than that. A lot more work than that. And so he's saying, you're going to have to seek it out. You're going to have to want it. And realize where it comes from. Verse 6. The Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The, the, the key 
to finding this wisdom and why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and discernment is because God is the giver of wisdom. And the scriptures speak about this over and over and over again. He says the Lord gives wisdom in a little bit later. He says in verse 9, Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. He says, if you'll seek after God, God's very willing to give it to you. Ecclesiastes 2.26, to the man who pleases him, speaking of God, to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. We all know James, right? But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach and it will be given to him. You know, the very next verse says, but do not ask in doubt. He needs to ask in faith, believing that God's going to give it to him. You know, this is not just simply, you know, throw up a, a you know, hopeful wing in a prayer. You know, God, please give me wisdom. And then I just kind of walk on my way, merry way. He says here, yes, God has the wisdom, but you have to really ask. You have to really want it. You have to really believe God can give you this wisdom to help you in your life decisions and to help you make the proper choices. And that's what God's word is here for. Why is this thing the last thing we consult in life? When we have to make tough decisions, this is usually the last thing we look at. We turn on Oprah and get Dr. Phil figured out. I've got to call Dr. Laura and whoever else, Dr. Who on TV. We've got to go to the Barnes & Noble and get all those books right. And we read them upside down, back and forth and all that. We've got to... God just says wisdom's right here. Just read me. Listen to me. Find it. Real quick. Three applications I want to give you this morning then. Chapter 1 told us that greed is a strong trap. You and I have to be very careful. And I think that's an important reminder. It was fascinating to me to read what the, the friends are trying to tell Solomon's son. Come after us, you know. And he asks, what, you know, why would you shed bloodshed? Notice it all boiled down to greed. Greed, uh, so many times, is the, is the factor uh, that makes so many decisions. And, and Solomon is warning his son, don't do that. And you and I have to be very careful about that. And we have to be careful about that in our own lives, that we make sure that we are making the proper decisions, that... Earthly things are not the priority, but God is the priority. But I'm taking a step further and ask you to make sure that that's being translated to your children. So I think that's really important. How we live and the decisions we make translates to them what's the most important. And I think we cannot ignore that. You know, I can, I, I've seen it in, in uh, uh, many of my own family members in that the, the way they, they, they dealt with money, the way they, they acted about that, even though there was a strong proclamation that God's first, money won. And, and you know, that always made me sad for my family and that they make that kind of decision. And you and I have to realize that, that that transfers to the children. And I've seen that happen as well. And it's a shame for that to happen. You don't want your children growing up that way. And we wonder why our society is so, so money-hungry and thirsting for wealth. Because we've taught that's the most important thing. And I think Solomon probably could have said this. Paul said it. Money is a root of all kinds of evil. That's what Solomon's telling him here. Is all of this will boil down 
to that desire. Be so careful. Greed gets us into an awful lot of traps and troubles. Uh, as Paul many times said, our love of money causes us a lot of pains that pierces us through and through. And so be very careful. The second, wisdom is available if you and I work for it. Wisdom is really available. You really want to live the good life. You really want to avoid the traps that exist in daily living. It's, uh, it's, it's possible. These traps can be avoided. The wisdom is there. Knowledge is there. Discernment is there. But the good life will not and cannot happen by accident. And as we pointed out, that's only going to come through a lot of prayer, a lot of obedience, and a lot of seeking. In those three passages that we looked at, James said, if you want to receive wisdom, you need to ask God. You need to pray. You really want wisdom for your life of how to live today, how to live tomorrow, how to live this week, how to live this month, how to be the husband, how to be the wife you need to be, how to be the proper Christian, how to be the proper father, how to be the proper mother. You really want that wisdom. James said, you really need to pray. You and I often just simply are not asking God for wisdom. And we need to ask God daily, help me live the right, proper life. Ecclesiastes said, you want wisdom? Obey God. That's good wisdom right there. (laughs) You want wisdom in life? You want to make proper decisions? You need to obey the Lord. And what we see here in, in the Proverbs is that if you want wisdom, you need to seek. You need to keep seeking after God. You need to apply yourself to the Word of God. You need to be reading, studying, learning, grasping, gathering the wisdom that God has revealed to us if we want to live the proper life. Which path will you choose? Isn't it interesting that Solomon does not say there's a third road? You know, We all want to be on the third road. The third road is, I don't want to do all the work for wisdom. But I don't want to go down the path of sinners. You know, I certainly don't want to go down that. That sounds torturous. I don't want to go down that path of sinners. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, I, I, I see it all the time on the news. They're setting a trap for themselves. They're hurting themselves. They're causing pain for themselves. But you're, to, to, to do the work for wisdom, I don't know. There's no third road. We either seek after the wisdom of God or we're down the path of sinners. There's no third road. You and I make a decision to choose the path of wisdom, to follow after God, to learn His ways, to study His Word, to pray for that wisdom, to obey His teachings. That's the way. If we're not doing that, there's no middle road. You and I are in the path of sinners. And wisdom is crying out to us if we're on that path. Wisdom is crying saying, don't go down that road. That is a disastrous road. And the end result is an awful lot of pain and suffering. As we mentioned at the beginning of this series, and I'll probably need to try to mention it every time, this series is not to say, well, you do everything in the Bible, everything's going to be happy, wealthy, healthy, wise, and all that. Book of Job torpedoes that notion, doesn't it? Uh, Righteousness and blamelessness does not mean an easy life. But righteousness and blamelessness does mean an easier life. You won't put yourself through a lot of bad decisions, torturous ways, shameful decisions that cause an awful lot of problems. And so many of our problems are self-inflicted. And God's saying, don't go down that.
follow after my ways. And I encourage you to think about that this morning. Pull your song books out. God's not calling you to put yourself through pain and misery for no purpose. He doesn't want you to make bad decisions that are going to hurt you. He wants you to make decisions that will serve Him, that will submit to Him, that will put Him first in your life. And He's calling you to seek Him. He's calling out, just as we see wisdom calling out, to follow Him, to heed His cries. Things can be a whole lot better. With God or without God, the Proverbs rightly declare, calamity, disaster, and distress will strike. So you and I have a choice. We can go through it blindly and hopelessly with no understanding of purpose. Or we can put our trust in God who says, I'm going to get you through. Endure the trials, endure the difficulties, and realize one day there's a reward that God's going to give to each and every one of us as long as we remain faithful and remain strong. So why not turn your life to Jesus Christ today? Why not submit to him with all of your heart? Even though things get real rough in this world, We've got a great home awaiting us. We have eternal life awaiting us. And I always love the book of Revelation as I was sharing with uh, my students this morning. No more pain. No more tears. No more death. It'll be a great place. Don't you want to go? As we sing this song, I encourage you to do that while we stand and while we sing.